Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned into another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. And now your host, Paul Leslie. Well, I want to introduce all the folks at home to this man that I'm joined with, Cyrus Cab, mostly known as Buddy. He's a man of great songwriting prowess. He's a great musician. That's what our last guest, Susie Ragsdale, said. <laughs> she said, oh, buddy, he's a great musician. But a lot of you know uh, some of the songs that he's brought into the world. Uh, probably the most famous would be the Mississippi Squirrel Revival, wouldn't you say? Uh, more, more than likely, yeah. Although I was at an AT&T store today, and a guy with Ray was getting a new phone. And the guy said, I remember a video of yours uh, uh, about uh, sitting up with the dead. <laughs> So you don't hear that much. Well, when did you begin to first write songs? What what, what time in your life did that begin? It, you know, Paul, I think I just always have. I, when I, I one of my earliest memories is my grandfather was sitting on the front porch down in Atlanta with some friends and uh, drinking and smoking as people are wont to do. And uh, he called me up on the porch and said, sing, sing these boys that song you made up. And I, gosh, I could have been more than about four or five, I guess. But I've, I've just always done it. I, I can't think of a time when I haven't, really. And I was fortunate enough in Atlanta to meet a guy named Bill Lowry. Oh, yeah. Who, uh, who uh, told young guys that, they could actually make money by writing songs, you know. So uh, that's that's how I got started. Now, Bill Lowry is a famous person in the world of music, was a famous person. And his path has intersected with a lot of great songwriters and bands and recording artists. Was there something that you learned from Mr. Lowry that you would say was the most the most uh, important thing you learned from him? Well, uh, you couldn't be around him much without feeling good. He just had a great positive attitude. He had tremendous enthusiasm. And uh, I, I think it, everybody that I've ever met that's been successful, uh, there have been a lot of people that are not all that talented, some of them, and they're not all that bright. I'm an example of both those. But Having great enthusiasm and great passion for what you do, I think, is is what's really necessary in songwriting, uh, performing, any kind of field, really being a brick mason. I think you got to have a passion for it. Hmm. Have you always been a humor-driven person? You know, I think so. Uh, I uh, I always liked songwriters who had kind of a, 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 a little comedic uh, uh, touch to what they did, you know, a little tongue in cheek, maybe, and whatnot. Although some of the stuff that I do is not exactly tongue in cheek, it's tongue all the way out, you know. <laughs> but it's, uh, uh, yes, I think I have. I think I've always had a kind of a bent toward that. I, I loved, uh, 
I love the Spike Jones stuff. I remember one of the concerts that I went to when I was a little kid was a Spike Jones concert. And it was just hilarious, I thought. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I always have. How did you first come in contact with Ray Stevens? Well, that Bill Lowry name comes up again. Bill, uh, Jerry Reed, Jerry and Ray were sort of the, the, the pillars of the Lowry group there in Atlanta. Ray uh, Lowry had a, uh, a little studio and, and he had a record company, NRC, National Recording Company. And uh, I met Ray there. I guess we were in our late teens. He's, I'm about six months older than he is. I'm the old guy in the relationship. But uh, I've, I've known him since, I guess, since I was 18 or, or 19 years old. And uh, I'm much older. <laughs> There's so many sides to Ray Stevens. Oh, and yeah. I'm hoping you can tell us, since you've known him for quite some time now, where is he the most talented? What 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 makes Ray Stevens the most talented? Well, he he certainly has a major dose of that enthusiasm that we all got from Bill Lowry, and uh, he uh, I think he's the most talented, the most creative, and the most happy and fulfilled when I see him in a recording studio with a new project and uh, uh, he, he has this, when I hear a record, I just hear the record and I hear the song, you know, I hear it all at one time, no matter how many pieces on it, he hears every piece. It's, it's just amazing to, to me to realize that, that he sits in a studio and uh, several musicians and singers are playing out there and he'll call out a background singer's name, one of the three that are singing and say, no, I don't want you to sing that. I want you to sing this. And then he'll sing it to her if he has to do it in a falsetto voice to get up where she is. But he heard what one of three singers was singing, you know, in the midst of everything else. He has that ability, which I th he thinks Everybody does that, and there's nothing to it. But I think it's amazing. And uh, he he hears all the parts, and he knows what the parts ought to be, what he what he's hearing in his head that he wants. And he's able to get it. Hmm. You know, it's a, it occurs to me, we were mentioning at the top of the interview about your song, Mississippi Squirrel Revival. Yeah. I can only think of two songwriters who have ever, ever referenced the town of Pascagoula, Mississippi. The other being Jimmy Buffett, who was born in Pascagoula. Yeah, right, Buffett. <laughs> but I'm curious to know, how did this crazy song, how did you get such a wild idea? Well, uh, the idea is everything. You know, when somebody asked me one time, so where do ideas from songs come? come from. And I said, I don't know, but if I did, I'd move there uh, <laughs> because that's the hard part. Uh, there's the, there's the art and the craft and the art comes in with finding an idea, you know, and you, I was in, a, in my car driving from um, Kansas city to Florida, to Sarasota. And, uh, I was, uh, 
my family was in the car with me and we'd spent the night in Atlanta and uh, got up early and we're driving down I-75. I can tell you right where it is. It's just north of Vienna, Georgia. There's a rest area. And we were going down I-75 and everybody in the car was asleep but me. And I had the radio on and the local radio station was playing uh, Wendy Bagwell and the Sunliners. And Wendy was telling the story about going to a church And while he was there, a blind man came in the back of the church with a seeing eye dog and sat on the back pew. And then a cat came in the sanctuary and the dog got away from the blind man and started chasing the cat underneath the pews. And it was just hilarious the way he told it. So uh, I immediately wanted to turn that idea into a song. So it became a boy and a squirrel and uh, uh, that got loose and everybody thought the squirrel under the pew was something other than a squirrel under the pew. They thought there was a revival going on. And, uh, but that's, that's how the idea came about. Uh, I I took the idea and, and changed it around and rhymed it and put a melody to it, you know? Interesting. In addition to all the songs that you've written that Ray Stevens has recorded, I'm hoping you can tell us about Chet Atkins and how did he come to discover your song? Well, Ray and Ray and Chet were big friends, of course, and I, I had written a song that I pitched to Ray that he liked a lot, and and Chet uh, had. Uh, Chet was a frustrated singer. He always wanted great, great guitar player. Always wanted to be a singer. It's like every comedian wanting to play serious drama, you know. Mm. Uh, uh, he, but he Ray uh, played this song for him, and Chet really liked it. It's called "Frog Kissing," and uh, Chet recorded it and sang it. I had met Chet two or three times prior to that, but Ray's introduction. Uh, uh, of me to him uh, came with some gravitas, I guess, you know, and uh, he was a good friend. I'd, uh, he, we'd go to lunch, Ray and Chet and a couple other guys and I, and uh, he, he was, uh, he picked out a guitar for me one time and gave me once a, one of my treasures, you know, that he got from Gibson and signed for me, but he was just a, I learned to play guitar a little bit sitting on a ship uh, in the, uh, down in the Caribbean and listened to Chet Atkins uh, extended plays where he had two songs on each side of an RCA Victor record. Do you remember those? Probably not. You're too young. To remember that. I, I've seen them. I can tell yeah. you that. In a museum. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> of all the songs you've written, is there perhaps one that you are the most proud of? Oh, gosh. Uh, for a songwriter, the ones you keep, you know, (laughs) are all kind of like your kids. They're like babies. There's something about all of them that you like. Um, it would be, it'd be really hard for, hard for me to pick. Uh, each one of them is kind of special. Like I say, they're like a child, you know, that you, how can you pick one kid over another? You know, there's, uh, but there are probably uh, some that I've written that nobody's ever heard of. I like very much. Uh, 
some of them from the standpoint of the craft. Some uh, I liked the way I put words together. Others because I was able to communicate something. I felt like I was really able to communicate it in a way that I wanted to. You know, I mean, I just stand in awe of people like Don McLean and you know, and the the, the day the music died. Uh, what a what an epic song that is. You know. Yeah. But, uh, they all they all have uh, their little different personalities, and and you love them for different reasons, you know. Hmm. Well, I'm hoping you can tell us about where you are right now. I see it looks like an interesting picture behind you. What, what <laughs> yeah. is your current location, sir? <laughs> well, I I have an office uh, across the hall from Ray in his uh, cabaret uh, facility here in West Nashville. And in this building, uh, there's a, a showroom where he performs if, if the COVID-19 ever goes away. And uh, also his offices for his publishing companies are here. And uh, so that's where I am. And that's a picture of a favorite old black and white cowboys and their comical sidekicks, I think you see. And I've got another one over here of uh, Winston Churchill. Oh, interesting. Who says, never give in. That's Wise advice, <laughs> <laughs> especially given the, the times we're in. So we're getting an exclusive look at the, the, the office of Buddy Cab at Ray Stevens Music and the, the Cabaret. Now there's Winston. Never give in. On the wall over there. A guy, a guy from Georgia named Penley. Who's a who's an artist? He's done several things. He has one of the Statue of Liberty that's pretty famous, I think. If you saw it, you, you would know who I'm talking about. And he did pictures for the Georgia Music Hall of Fame. Uh, of course, he he did one of Ray and all the people in there. And I like his work. I think he's great. I'm familiar, I, and I, I've seen that that painting of Ray Stevens that you speak it, of. Yeah. What is the best thing about being Buddy Cab? I don't know. It's all. Uh, it's it's all. It's all good. Uh, I've, I've been married to the same woman for a whole lot of years, and uh, and I have three lovely children, and uh, I, I enjoy what I do, and I get up every day, and I I get to do what I want to do. Uh, I've I feel good about myself. Uh, so, uh, uh, and I, and I, and I know where I'm going to go when I leave here. Hmm. That's, that's good about me too. Oh yeah. Well, I want to get your take on this. I was just reading, uh, in it's a book. It's coming out tomorrow by Jerry Seinfeld. It's called, is this anything? And the title, of course, meaning, you know, anytime somebody comes up with an idea, a funny idea, they preface it with, hey, is this anything? <laughs> yeah, anything and, I can use. Yeah. Well, I wanted to get your take on this. It was a very interesting thing that he said in the book. He said, comedy is where smart meets stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought about it for a moment, and I thought, you know, that might be one of the most profound <laughs> definitions. <laughs> you, you know that that's it's interesting. Uh, I love him, but by, by the way, I just think he's a great 
one of the best stand-up guys that's ever been. But there is such a fine line between funny and silly. Yeah. It, it really is. I mean, and and knowing how to walk that line and not step over into silly, you know, and get something on your foot that nobody wants to have is, uh, I guess that's part of, of, of learning how to, to do comedy because, uh, I, a lot of people pitch me songs and I listen to them and in some ways they're clever and whatnot, but they're awful, often just inane or just, just silly and not funny. Yeah. And they have just one little funny line and then a song's over. And they just, then it's just a bunch of words and whatnot. And they come back to that funny thing again. It's, uh, uh, somebody said that, uh, one actor did a death scene one time. And the guy said, boy, you, boy, you really did a great death scene. You really died. Well, and he said, dying's easy. Comedy's hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hoping that maybe for anybody who is out there, it's a tough time for a lot of people these days. Yeah. What would you say to anybody who's just, they're starting to lose a little bit of the pep in their step. This year is really starting to grind on them. A little, there was a guy years ago, his name was Norman Cousins. Uh, uh, he he had a he got diagnosed with cancer, and uh, boy, his world just came crashing in on him. And they got a very bad prognosis. And uh, he had some of that Bill Lowry enthusiasm, and, and this was back before uh, DVDs and VHS tapes, even. He went out and he, he got a uh, projector and he got all the Marx Brothers uh, movies he could get his hands on. And he checked into a hotel in New York. And for about two weeks, he didn't do anything but eat well off of room service and watch Marx Brothers movies <laughs> and laugh and laugh and laugh. I'd find something to laugh about if, if it were me. If, uh, Find something to laugh about. I, I, I think comedians are are long lived people because they live in a world of laughter, and and I think laughter is really good for us. So laughter is a release. Laughter is a legitimate release. You know, something that you can do that lets go of a lot of built up tension and whatnot. It'll help you a lot. So go go buy a Ray Stevens record. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually had a had a woman who tell me one time who was clinically depressed, and she said that she uh, went out and bought Ray Stevens tapes at that time of her tapes, and listened to them and listened to them, and she said that's that's what brought her out of her clinical depression, and 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 encouraged her so much she went back to college, and got a degree in musicology. And now she teaches somewhere. She teaches musicology and the value of music and laughter. How about that? Wow. Well, I always like to end the show. I just give the guest the stage. And it could be anything. It couldn't 
you know, it's not necessarily has to be about music or comedy or, or anything for anyone who's watching. What would you say to them? Well, I think I would say that uh, there was years ago, there was a song that a woman named Peggy Lee sang that was very popular. And that was a question. Is this all there is? Oh yeah. And, uh, Peggy and everybody else know this is not all there is. This is a launching pad. And we don't know what's coming next for sure. There's a a book I like a lot that says, uh, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the mind of any man all that God has prepared for those who love him. So, this is a this is a boot camp. <laughs> We're getting ready for something, and I believe it's going to be something awfully good. Well, buddy, sir, I very, very much appreciate you sharing with us. I appreciate you doing this. Well, well, thank you, Paul. I, I appreciate you being so patient with me. I kind of. For everybody out there, I, I missed my appointment uh, today because I got involved in a thing I couldn't get out of too quickly. And, and Paul was gracious enough to, uh, to, to extend the time and, and let us do this today. I'm glad to meet you. Nice I've to meet you. a lot of good things about you from people who've interviewed with you, and I'm flattered that you'd want to talk with me. Well, that's very kind. I appreciate it, and, and it's an honor to talk to you. Same here. I hope we'll talk again. I'll look forward to that. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. Hosted, written, and produced by Paul Leslie. Intro theme song, Alexander's Ragtime Band. Written by Irving Berlin. Performed by Dan Barrett. Outro scatting G-Things. Improvised, performed, and produced by John Goodwin. Until next time. Goodbye.